to the Redeemed Evangelical Mission, Trem, Atlanta. This is a place where we gather together in quality praise and worship of the true and living God. Equipped with the world of God for growth and fellowship with one another. God bless you as you listen to this message. being celebrate Jesus if he has been good to you if he gave you those hands no no, no POP there you are to give him praise hallelujah amen thank you very much thank you big mommy and, uh, and Big Daddy in absentia. I'm truly grateful for the opportunity to share the Word of God with the people of God. I do not take it for granted. I do not make light of it at all. Thank you. Thank you and thank you. Praise God. I said praise God. You know that when people are here. They need some encouragement from there. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. All right. Today, I will be speaking on a topic I have been given. I will be talking this morning on the subject um, character for ministry in an unstable world. Character for ministry in an unstable world. I will be reading in the King James Version of the Bible from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Sweet Holy Spirit, I ask you to breathe upon these words. I ask you to give us understanding. I ask you to take charge and take control. I ask that you will bless somebody with these words. In Jesus' name. Amen. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, Paul said, These know also, in other words, in addition to other things that you know, don't forget this. Very important. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Different translations render that verse in different ways. One said, in the last days, dangerous times shall come. Some say, evil times shall come. One said, in the last days, it will be difficult to be Christian. Sometimes the amplified here says that difficult days that will be hard to bear. So it's telling us, giving us a picture of what the last days will be. And what do we mean by last days? The last days mean the days immediately, pre immediately preceding the second coming of our Lord Jesus. The last days is the time gap between the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, and the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time gap in between is what is known 
as the last days. And he says there will be difficult days, hard days. Why? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, that is covenant breakers, they can't keep covenant, they can't keep promises, can't keep their words, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heavy, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. As I thought about this subject and I thought about these last days, I cannot but remember what I read about the French Revolution. The days of French Revolution that happened between May 5, 1789 and November 9, 1799, about, seven and, about ten and a half years. Charles Dickens, the great poet, I'm sure that some of us have read some of his books. I read some of them when I was in the secondary school. There's this one, A Tale of Two Cities, by Charles Dickens. In A Tale of Two Cities, it described the times that he was in, and it likened the days with the days of French Revolution, and he said, he said, a number of opposites. He described the days as the best of times, and yet it was the worst of times. He said, it was the age of wisdom, and yet it was the age of foolishness. He said it was the epoch of belief, and yet it was the epoch of incredulity, unbelief. He said it was the season of light, and yet it was the season of darkness. He said it was the spring of hope, and yet it was the winter of despair. I found this as an apt description of the times that we live in. Things are changing by the day in our world. But the real bad news is that times and people are changing, not for good, but for bad. And that is the time that we find ourselves in. Days of opposites. Days of knowledge. Days where a lot of wisdom is available and yet there are days of foolishness. Those are the days we are in. The question is, how can we then function properly in such a world? What is the greatest need in such a world? What would you consider the greatest asset in a time like this. As I thought about this, I found the answer to all this in the world of nine letters. It is called.
character what is character Miriam Webster defined it as one of the attributes of features that make up and distinguish an individual your character is what distinguishes you from others it also describes it as mental and ethical traits marking and often individualizing a person, group, or nation. I will take my lessons today from three characters in the Bible, two in the Old Testament and one in the New. I will begin with lessons from Joseph in the Old Testament. But before I go on too far in this subject this morning, let me call your attention to two words that are almost identical in meaning, yet they are miles apart. That the words character and reputation. Character is what you are before men. Reputation is what you are before men. Character is what you are before God. Ordinarily, the two should go together. But because we live in a world, we live in a society where the value system is upside down, usually there is a great gulf between the two. Therefore, you can have a man with good reputation, but with bad character. And we have them around, a lot of them, a lot of our leaders, politicians have good reputation, but very bad character. That's why you see a man, he loots the treasury, steals us blind. We call him a thief, a rogue. If he is not from our tribe. If he is from our tribe, he is our son. So, he comes home with all the money he has stolen and we give him chieftaincy titles. He's a big man. He has a good reputation, but bad character. And you can have a man with, you can have somebody with good character, but bad reputation. Because if you're an upright person, not many people will like you. Not many people will love you. Not many people will clap for you. Not many people will talk well about you. I guess that's one of the areas that we have problems. That's one of the major obstacles to character development. Many people can't handle that. They love the approval and applauds of men than the approval of God. If you are like that, you can never develop good character. You can have good reputation. And this thing is, does not end in the political world out there. It's there in church. There be a lot of people with good reputation in church but with very bad character. You can have good character, but bad reputation. Good people are usually vilified. And so, they have bad reputation. Food for thought. 
character and reputation. Which one do you care more about? The quest for good reputation and less care about character is why you will say one thing while you mean another. And it is there right in church. People who will say one thing in meetings, one thing before leadership, and yet they mean something else. God deliver us from strange children whose mouth speak lies. Which one do you care more about? Is it how you appear before God? Or what you appear to be before men? Quickly, let me take my lesson from Joseph. I have to quickly rush through some of these things. Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph is one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. He was probably one of the best examples of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. The story is covered from Genesis 37 to chapter 50. In all those chapters, there was not one bad thing, not one evil that was reported about him. So I love him. He's a man whose story I'm so passionate about. Nearly as passionate about him as I am about the story of Jesus. Joseph. How did Joseph then maintain a godly lifestyle in such an ungodly society like Egypt? Can we do the same today? No. Somebody might be tempted to think, well, Joseph could do that. In those days, um, things are not as terrible as this. So why won't he be able, be able to live right? That's a great mistake. The Egypt that Joseph went into was the ancient civilization of the time. In fact, when we were in primary school, we were taught that Egypt was the cradle of civilization. It had civilization just like we have today. So let me quickly call your attention to three things about the Egypt that Egypt that, that, that Joseph went into. It's a world of knowledge. I was made to understand in my research that Egypt had knowledge of mathematics and architecture and the pyramids of Egypt till today are a, a proof of that. So there was knowledge just like there is knowledge today. Secondly, Egypt was extraordinarily wealthy. It was a wealthy society just like we have in societies today. Thirdly, ancient Egypt was a pagan country. The Egypt that Joseph came into was a pagan and a morally debased country. Their system of worship was polytheism. They believed in many gods, and as a matter of fact, I'm made to understand that there were not less than 22 major gods. One of them was the reigning Pharaoh. So much so that each time Pharaoh appeared in public, everybody bows down and says, Behold the Almighty God. 
That is why God had to drown him in the sea to prove that he was not God. Every plague, every one of the ten plagues that God brought upon Egypt was a judgment on a God. Egypt was that terrible. Just like we have today. Even Jacob, when God told him when he was about to go to Egypt to go and meet his son after they told him that Joseph is still alive in Genesis chapter 46, God had to specially encourage him in Genesis 43 verses 3, 46 verses 3, 2 and 3. God had to call him twice, Jacob, Jacob, fear not, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. Meaning what? Jacob was afraid. What made him afraid? I believe. One, because Egypt was terribly a pagan country. And he wondered, this is where I am going. Also, because Egypt was morally debased. If Jacob had a lot of, a lot of trouble keeping his children godly in Canaan, he must have thought, what will happen in Egypt? I also believe because it was because Egypt had bad past memories for Jacob. You would have remembered that was where Abraham fell. Egypt. The lowest point of Abraham's life was in Egypt. When he was going there, he lied. He had to lie. Egypt was where he took Hagar. That is the problem of the whole world today. That was where Joseph went. And of course, you must have heard why when you are in Rome, do like the Romans. So it would be natural, it would have been natural for Joseph when in Egypt to behave like an Egyptian but not Joseph. He was far away from home. He could have joined them to serve their gods. After all, the almighty God, the God of the Hebrews that he trusted in had disappointed him. Where was God when he was being sold into Egypt? These are challenges today. We face real problems, real troubles. Even as pastors, we face real troubles of life and ministry. Real troubles in our families. And to worsen the situation many times, we cry to God, we fast, we pray, and the things are still there. So where is God? That is enough reason for many people to compromise. Where is God? You know all this, where is God? Okay, you say we should do the right things. We are, we are working in an office, we are doing the right thing. I said, my, one of my pastors was leading prayers. He said, if he, he said, if he knew, he said, probably he would have stayed a little longer before he gave his life to Christ. He said, he would have made money. He said, there is money in his office. There's money. He said, but you just see the, you just see the money passing. You say, he said, he said, he said, don't touch it. Don't, don't, don't touch it. Don't touch it there. Don't touch that money. He said, he said, people say, ah. He said, somebody looked at him and said, oh, God, why are you like this? Everybody that sat on this table built houses. Here you are still looking for money for fuel. There is money, and yet you are like this. So we live in a real world. There are challenges. Hmm. So how did Joseph maintain a godly lifestyle in such a world? And, 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 and why Moses and, and Joseph's story interests me is that he tells me that if Joseph could do it there, then it is possible. We also can do it. 
There's nothing strange under heaven. How did Joseph do it? Let me just call your attention to just two things quickly. Joseph retained his character. He retained his character. Joseph, though stripped of his coat of many colors, was not stripped of his character. He was stripped of his coat of many colors, but he retained his character. And I believe we can do the same thing. In spite of everything that is not in place. Yes, I know we all need money. But why we are stripped of that, so to say, for a time, I believe we can maintain our character. There are two things. I pray to God, and I, the last time I was with the presiding bishop, Big Daddy, I told him, irrespective of every other thing, there are two things I don't want to ever lose in this ministry. My respect and my integrity. Do you care about that? Some of us care more about money. We care more about reputation. We care more about what they say about us. We care more about what they don't say about us. We care about more about our houses and, and cars, especially as we come to programs like that. May God, may God help some pastors. In those days, I used to spend some good time talking to my pastors before we come to Lagos. You will see cars. You will see suits. You will see shoes. And the tendency will be, ah, how long? I see John Wasudi. And John see how long he now? How long he? How long he? But don't call him a Jifenika. You don't understand what I have just said? Ask Reverend Clem Iwegbo. He's our life chairman. I told him he has my vote every year. <laughs> ah, Joseph, neither is, mis is misfortune nor the surrounding moral decadence and godlessness could influence his character negatively. If because everybody around is behaving, is doing the wrong thing, and you join them to do the wrong thing, the seed of wrong thing is already inside you. Don't tell me it is. Look, whatever you say is happening to you, happening happen to all of us. Praise God. Time will fail me to go beyond that. The second thing I want to call your attention to is that Joseph retained his awareness of God's presence. And it was that that gave him his character. He, wherever he was, he knew God was there. He retained that awareness. And his speech, his words, constantly was filled with God. When he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, his answer is, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? When Pharaoh asked him for interpretation, his reply was, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh an answer. And on and on, on and on and on. I can't go into all the details. He it was all about God. He was conscious whether it was, in, in, whether it was back home, or in Potiphar's house, or in the prison, he had an awareness of the presence of God. He knew that that, that, man, that that man is not there does not mean God is not there. If we have that consciousness, it will help us to develop character in a negative world. The Chinese people say they do whatever they do well because gods, the gods, are looking at them. Why? To the Chinese man, 
everything is God. This flower is God. This railing is God. This speaker is God. This microphone in my hand is God. So they believe that wherever they are, the gods are there looking at them. We know better. We know that our God is not the railing, is not the speaker, but he is everywhere. He's omnipresent and is omniscient. He's everywhere. He knows all things and he sees all things. Therefore, we will do things right. Now, people are very quick to conclude that what worked for Joseph was all about favor. It was just favor. It was just grace. God just favored him. God, just, God was just gracious to him. That's all. Is that all? No. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yes, God favored him. No doubt. But he also planted the seed of favor. Yeah. God favored him. But he worked hard. And he was faithful in service. Joseph was doing many tasks. And he was faithful. Even when he was doing many tasks, he was faithful. Many of us, I think many of us misunderstand the message of grace and favor to mean that it doesn't matter what you do. You can be doing the wrong things and be getting the right results. Wrong, wrong, wrong. If as a pastor, as a branch pastor, as a house fellowship leader, as whatever you are doing at any level, if you are not faithful there, and you expect things to work for you. No, I, don't, I think that will violate the principles of the word of God. Joseph served for a long time and worked hard. He was faithful and God promoted him because God rewards faithfulness. So the question today is, are you faithful where you are? Where you are serving right now, are you faithful? In your secular office, are you faithful? May the Lord help us. Let me leave Joseph and come to his great-grandfather, Abraham. I read the scripture in the book of um, 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1, verse 5. Paul said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwells first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. I like that. I like, I like those names in Yoruba Bible. Lois and Eunice. I like them in Yoruba Bible. Only Loide at the Unique. You still don't understand me? Ask our chairman. Reverend Chinedu, we help you out. But what that is saying simply, what that verse is saying to me is, character, like faith, can be contagious. People can catch it. So if it is there in, your, in you as a father, your children will catch it. Time will fail me to read all this scripture, but we are all adults in spiritual things. In Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 23, it is the story of um, Abraham returning from the battle with the kings. And as he came, Melchizedek met him and blessed him and all that. And then the king of Sodom met him after Melchizedek and, and just told him, take everything, just give us our men that went. You have hazarded your life, so take everything. 
But Abraham said no. In that story, I observed about four things that are very important for character development. In verse 22, Abraham said, And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich. Four things. Number one, he chose to be faithful to the oath that he swore. He swore an oath when he was going to the battle. God, give me victory. And when I come back, all the glory, everything will be returned to you. And when God gave him the victory, he stayed through. He stayed true to his oath. Do we do that? Are there no believers in church that are difficult to do business with? Oh, they can give you all the mouth and all the promises as far as money has not come. Once money comes, they shift grounds. I've listened to, to Christian leaders, pastors, business people doing well. Who would, who, would, who would vow I will never employ a Christian? I asked one, I said, Why did you say so? He said, When I employ a non believer, I will deal with him accordingly when he does the wrong thing. He said, he said, he said Daddy, when I employ a member of this church, when there is trouble, the first thing is that they run to you and say, Daddy. And then they say, Oh, oh, oh. he says he's a pastor, he says he's a deacon, he says he's a brother. So I don't want. And that's too bad. Praise the Lord. For Abraham, wealth, money did not change him. He remained what he was before he went to the battle. We deal with believers today who are so corny and crafty, so slimy, that you cannot pin them down, you cannot hold them to anything. Brother, are you going to be in the evening service? By the grace of God willing. They say, God willing. So that what? When you see him later and say, ah, you didn't come. I say, I didn't say I was coming. When can we see to finalize this discussion? Say, hmm, sometimes around seven. He comes by ten. You say, but you gave me seven. Say, no, I didn't say seven. I say around seven. Ten is still around seven. I always told people, don't give me such stupid appointments. Daddy, I'm coming to see you. I'll come around 10. I said, what do you mean around 10? So that by, by 12, I should still be waiting. Secondly, he had a right perception of God. He saw God as the most high and as the possessor of heaven and the earth. Do you know that? Do you have such perception of God? The third thing about Abraham here is that he refused to take what belonged to another. The king of Sodom said, take, take everything. Take the gold, take the silver, take, take all the animals. He said, no, I've sworn to God. I will not do that. And fourthly, he refused to give man credit for his riches. Now, the question is, why did he refuse to take the gift? I thought, number one, it's because of the source of that gift. It's from Sodom. Now, but, somebody will say, but, in Genesis chapter 20, he received gift from a debased king too. 
the king of Egypt, who wanted to take his wife. So what's the difference now? That's what leads me to my second reason. I believe it's because of the circumstances. And that's very important to me. He looked at the circumstances. These are people who just went through war. But it's not... The These are people who must have lost many of their loved ones. And now you are coming and saying to me, take the gift. He said, no, I will not. question men and women of God are we that sensitive are we sensitive to the plight of people to the needs of people to the lives of people I've always told my students in the Bible school it's not about celebrating your bad day or your wife's bad day life and church is not just about you Are you sensitive to the to the to the to the needs of the people? Are you are you are you sensitive to the times? What they are going through? Because many people don't care. It doesn't matter. Just get it. Just get it. It doesn't matter. Even whether the church has been there. For 25 years and and camp and the roof is leaking. It is daddy's birthday first. Praise the Lord. I know I won't get a good hallelujah. Well, my mind is already made up. Whether you like it or not, I'll say what I will say. There's a difference between character and reputation. How I am before God is much more than how I am before you. So you like what I'm saying now. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> All right. Did you hear what Elisha said to Gehazi? He said, is it time to take gift to do this? Now, he's not saying that it was ever bad. To receive gift, but is it time? I said to pastors, when you get to a new location, the first thing is to endear yourself to the hearts of the people, and they will serve you for the rest of the time that you'll be there. But many people, unfortunately for them. When they get to the new location, it is two weeks to their birthday or to their wife's birthday. And that is the greatest undoing of many people. If you don't celebrate birthday that year, will you die? Has God told you you will die before next birthday? If you die, will, you, will it make you go to hell? Praise God. <sighs> Let me leave that. And, and go to the last person quickly. No more time. Let me read um, a few scriptures here. Philippians, my, my third example is Paul. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Now, he said, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. And then um, drop to verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. When we quote that scripture, it is originally in the context in which we read it. I know that we can apply it to every other thing in our life, but don't forget the law of context. Then Acts chapter 20 verse 24. He said, but none of these things move me, neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of grace. My final scripture on Paul is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the later times some shall depart from the faith, giving it to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devils. 
Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. From these three passages of the scriptures, what are the lessons that we learn, that we can learn today for character in ministry in such a negative world? These lessons. Number one, learn to be contented. If you are going to, be, if you are going to develop character, learn. To be contented. Paul said, I've learned to be contented where I am. That is simply saying, don't be covetous. Wherever you want to be in life, God can and will take you there at the appropriate time. He makes all things beautiful in his time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 His time Learn to be contented where you are While you are aspiring to go higher So that you don't do the wrong things If you are covetous You always do the wrong thing Two Live a life of balance Paul said I know both most people know only one. But Paul said, I know both how to abound and how to be abased. I can cope with all such situations. So he's saying, I'm like a dog. I can run on the ground. I can swim in water and I can fly in the air. Learn both. Some pastors, leaders are only to able to, they are only happy when everything is in place. Life is not like that. Paul said, I have learned both. That's why he could sing even in jail. He knew that no season of life is permanent. And that brother, my sister, I know what it means to go through, to go without. Maybe things are not rosy. Things are not alright. Things are not okay for you today. Don't ever think that's, that's how it will be forever. Things are going to change. I can't hear your amen. I said things are going to change. You will not die in that situation. Praise God. I was telling them I was ministering. If it, I said I was one day in the days of small beginning. I was I was ministering. I was preaching. I said I, I think Satan came to church that day. I don't know. I was preaching. I was under fire. And 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 I just had a whisper deep down within me. And you are you are shouting. You are jumping like this. And you don't have food at home. And you don't have money in your pocket. I said how come at such a point? Inside church under preaching. God punish Satan. But today that does not happen again. I preached with two shirts that were torn in the collar, but I don't have them anymore today. I had one pair of shoes and they had holes under them, but I don't have them again. Your life too will change. Things will change for you. While you are waiting for the change, don't do the wrong thing. So that your destiny is not aborted. Thirdly, don't be moved by the things that you see. He said, none of these things move me. Many people are moved by, by many things. That's why I said to you earlier on when we come to Lagos, in those days, I used to talk to my pastors. You will see cars, but don't let it move you. Because you can say, oh, we were in Bible school at the same time. It doesn't matter. That is a divine timing for everybody. You will see suit. You will see shoes. You say, wow. Wow. Your own day too will come. Your day will come. I have had to wait. When I mistakenly washed my two trousers together. And I had to stay in towel. I still remember that towel. Yellow color. I had to stay in towel until they are dry. Before I could wear trousers, and they just called me and said that 
we have a fasting prayer at Ajebo camp. And I just washed my trouser. But your situation too will change. Don't let things move you. Don't be moved by cars. Don't be moved by shoes, by shirt, or by other people's testimony to, to move you to depression. Let them challenge you. But the flower, not to move you to depression and doing the wrong thing. You get there in Jesus' name. And there are so many things that people are doing in ministry today. Don't be moved. Prophetic ministry is the in thing today. Be careful. Don't be moved. I think finally here, focus on finishing your course. My course is not your course. The course there is like race. Like we're on track race. What it takes a 100 meter person to finish is not what it takes a 200 person to finish. Our finishing lines are different. Please understand that. We are not called to do the same thing. We are called to serve God in our different ways. Praise the Lord. I believe if you take heed to these things, you'll be able to develop good character for ministry. God bless you. Real good is my prayer in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to another message. God's blessing be with you now and forever. For counseling, email trem at tremusa.org. 